Yo, what's going on? This is Uri Styler, and you are listening to the No Escaping This podcast. No escaping this. No escape. No one's ready to as always, well, I say as always, but not everyone knows this. The No Escaping This podcast is, you know, supported by the amazing drink Bamboo Rum. And after this week, between podcast episodes, I definitely need to pour out a glass. I'm going to do that right now as we're lining this up to have a conversation. I don't normally drink this rum straight, but I feel like today is that day that I'm going to do that. <sighs> no chasing, no diluting. Let's just get the message out and let's drink this rum straight. It's been an exhausting week. It's been so tiring emotionally and physically. I'm sure we know why emotionally, if we look into today's climate or the, the climate of the world, I can't even say it's just a UK thing. I'm pretty sure everybody knows what's been going on, what we've been marching about, what we've been talking about. There's literally people out there protesting, saying literally three words, black lives matter. And then you get someone who wants to come back and say, well, all lives matter. And it's just, why are we arguing with people? I can't believe we have to explain to people that all lives matter is, will only work rather when black lives actually matter as well. So we're trying to say black lives matter for those who don't realize because evidently it's still not being put across. The message is still not being heard. And I'm just sick and tired. I'm sure as most of us are of having to tell people, we're not asking you to put us above you. We just want you to know that we are also here and we want to matter as equal as you do. How about that? But no, there are people that just don't want to get that. And it's getting absolutely exhausting. We'll get into the reasons why in just a little bit. Let me kickstart with what's been going on with me personally. Can I just say at the beginning of lockdown, which I know we're easing out of now. So I know you're thinking, why are we discussing lockdown? Well, I compared my weight to from the beginning of lockdown up until today. And I'm so happy to say I've lost 22 pounds. That is 10 kilograms of weight by exercising, eating healthily, and most importantly, which I never really took on board before, is sleeping. Sleeping is a thing that I don't get to do as much because I'm too busy trying to work, trying to get myself you know, ahead of the game by being active, being up late at night and trying to do as much work as I can. I always believe that hard work pays off. Yes, that's true, but I'm starting to realize, well, not even starting, I knew it from before, but I'm starting to apply the idea that whilst hard work pays off, as well as that, smart work pays off. And that is the thing that I need to focus on. That's the thing I've not been focusing on for many years. And I'm starting to appreciate this. And part of fitness is being able to rest, get your body into a state of resting. Now, for me, I need to rest a lot more. Well, I need to keep up the amount of rest that I've been doing and getting during lockdown a lot more. It's now important to me, not just because my mind needs to rest or I need to recover physically, but um, it actually is physically. We're talking about muscles now. I've pulled my muscle in my leg several times because I'm too busy thinking, let me keep fit. All right, let me run again. All right, let me run again. Let me skip. And not realizing that part of the recovery and the weight loss journey is being able to sit down, rest and allowing your body to say, let's fix up. So tomorrow you can run or two days later, you can run a lot more active. And that's been the biggest change, I reckon. I've always eaten semi-healthy. I've never really eaten bad, but semi-healthy, definitely. Sometimes when you're on the road as a comedian, you don't get a chance to eat properly because you've got to pick up fast food from here. You've got to maybe have a quick food late at night there. And that's not always good. Now I'm starting to realize that I can cook at home a lot more and not pay for food on the road. And the food that I cook at home, I reduce the amount of oils that I'm using, reduce the amount of salt that I'm using, 
reduce any junk that's in the food for flavor because now I realize food is a substance and I'm being active in keeping my food in check. And the final thing that's helping as well, I've tried this before, never really kept up to it as much as I have done today or this these past couple of weeks. Intermittent fasting, what? Intermittent fasting is banging. Oh my gosh. Those of you that have been doing it, well done to you. I've not been like you. Intermittent fasting for me has always been that thing where I go, I'll try it for a day and see how I feel. Now that I'm dedicated to being able to sleep at a time, wake up at a time, do fitness at a time, do some work at a time, do content at a time, intermittent fasting has been an absolute lifesaver in terms of dropping weight. It's amazing because uh, my body's regulating and getting itself to ketosis, you need to research if you don't know. Ketosis is the state that your body decides to burn the fat to convert that into energy. And it is doing me so well. 10 kilograms down. I feel better. I look better. Got to see my mum. My mum's looked to me, said, you lost weight. I'm running. I'm carrying my body a lot easier when I run. I don't even like running. Running for me was always a headache. And that's because I'm keeping my weight down. And that's because also I'm sticking to it. I don't want to get back to being 121 kilograms. I'm now down to 111. And my aim is to get to 100. I need to get these roles where I'm on screen and I don't look massive. I've been on screen in a movie recently, uh, The Living Dead, previously called Are We Dead Yet? Which is going to be released in October worldwide, predominantly UK, Canada and the uh, UK, Canada and US of A. And I play one of the main characters. When I look back at myself in that movie, I look at myself thinking, Ra, you look so fat and you look so big as well. I'm only five foot 10, but I'm standing next to people who are a little bit shorter than me on my height. And I look like a monstrosity. I look like Shaquille O'Neal and that's not good. And that's because of my weight as well. When you look tall as everybody else, but then your weight is high, you look bigger, you look scary, you look bulkier. And I got to cut that out, man. Let me just get a quick swig of this bamboo. Oh, yeah, that hits. Hits the right mark that does. I was sitting there debating, do I get a guest on for today's episode of No Escaping This Podcast? Last week, we had an, a, great, a great guy, my guy, uh, Emmanuel Acuso. Um, he is a financial advisor. And we were talking about empowering the black community by elevating ourselves economically, developing financial stability within our households and then within our community, and then also being able to progress in developing wealth. Wealth allows you to have power and access to powers that you may not have if you don't have the money to do so. Some people might think that's a naive thing. It's not. Prime example, Jay-Z, successful guy, got respect and has wealth. Jay-Z was one of the guys that when the people were campaigning in Minnesota, particularly in Minneapolis, after what happened to George Floyd, he called the governor of Minneapolis, not Minneapolis, sorry, of Minnesota, and said, you see what's going on? I want these guys charged. I want, I want to see, I want to see them charged. Some of you might think, but that's not anything to do with spending money. No, it's not. But when you have power accumulated by wealth and then you invest your wealth into gaining power and access to people, you can get a man's telephone number. And I feel like that's what he did. He's in a position of power, position of recognition, position of wealth, and whoever he had to call, even pay off to get that telephone number of that governor to say, I need you to do right by my people by making sure that they, the officers are charged. As far as I'm concerned, that is creditations that I got to give to Jay-Z. Well done, big up yourself. And that's why it was important to have Emmanuel on last week's episode to talk about developing sustainability financially within your household and then outside of your household, within your community, particularly a black community. I'm black, so I'm going to want, I, I want my people around me to get up. 
And I do want my people to, to be elevated and to be in a better position, to be able to make demands and to request things to happen. And no one can turn around and say, well, you haven't got economic value. I want people to be able to say, no, we have economic value. And if you don't listen to our demands, we're going to show you how much weight we have in your economy and we're going to mess things up. And I want to see that. I definitely want to see that. And I do believe that that episode's a great one for you to listen to. So have a listen back. I can't remember the number. I think it was episode 63. I think this, ep- I might be wrong. When I finish like editing this and I post it up, I'll know what number we're on. But I feel like this is episode 64, which makes it our Nintendo episode. Boop, boop, bam, bam. If it is our Nintendo episode, well done to us for getting to, to this episode. But yeah, I was arguing and debating with myself. Do I want to get a guest on for this episode? And I couldn't, I couldn't find the energy to, to contact people get them on board and think how are we going to discuss things without firstly letting off how I feel about what's been going on. I am exhausted. I told you this at the beginning of the episode. I'm going to tell you why now, not just physically because of my fitness, shout out to my fitness there, but I'm exhausted mentally. And that's because I've been on social media digesting, not just the images of what's been going on, not just the things we've been protesting for, not just the, 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 not just the, the outcries that we're throwing out there for people to listen to, but it's also the responses from people that are not getting what it is that we're trying to do. There are literally people out there saying black lives matter. We want to be seen as equal. And somebody else is out there going, I I don't know if I want that to happen. Do you see what I'm saying? And it's heartbreaking. It is energy consuming. It is time consuming to have to say that to so many people so often and still feel like they're not really taking us serious. And that's why there's a part of me that is struggling to to feel energetic on social media. I end up feeling good at one point. I might post up a picture. I might post up some content. I might do something that I feel is great on social media and it gets likes, it gets attention, it gets people commenting, it starts a discussion, whether it be just stuff about my my content, just stuff about my my day-to-day, just a nice picture. I feel like I look good in this one. I'm gonna put that one up there. And then you get to a point where you look at a picture of something else on social media. Another reminder as to where I'm at as a black man in this country, in this world. And you go, oh, again, I, this is how I feel. I feel like this. Then you get up and say, no, no, no. You know what? It's about letting people know I'm empowered. I am a black man. I'm proud of being black, but you know what? I'm not letting people keep me down. Then you see another video of an atrocity that happened last year. And you remember when you were talking about that last year. And then you're like, oh my God, I feel bad again. And then you're like, no, no, you know what? We're fighting against the system. Let me put up a nice post. And I did, I put up a post this week and it was of um, a clip from A Bug's Life. Some of you might have seen it. If you haven't, go check it out on my page at Ori Styler on Instagram. There is a scene in A Bug's Life where, and I, even though he's kind of cancelled now, Kevin Spacey plays the antagonist called Hopper, a grasshopper, who's kind of an overlord of all the grasshoppers that kind of oppress the ants within the movie. The ants are the ones that pick the food for the uh, grasshoppers to go and eat the food. And there is a clip where the grasshoppers are having a meeting in their camp and base after gone to visit all the ants and say, we want our food by, I don't know, let's say next week. And some of the grasshoppers are like, do we have to go back to the ant hill? I mean, why do we have to go? We've got more than enough food. And then he's like, more than enough food? Yeah, we might do and so on. But what about that one ant that stood up to me? There's one ant there called Flick and he stands up to Hopper who is trying to tell them, you need to bring us our food. And, and, and Flick is like, leave us alone. And that's just one man standing up. 
So when Hopper's talking to his fellow grasshoppers, he goes, yeah, but there's one ant that stood up to me. And they're like, there's just one little ant. There's nothing. What's wrong with that? So Hopper goes, that's one ant. You know what? That's right. You know what? Actually, let me go and get a grain. Some of the grain that the ants have collected. And he's got it in like this, uh, this silo, which saves all the grains in there. And he pulls one out and he says, pretend this is one ant. And he dashes it at them, at his uh, grasshopper friends and says, how does that feel? And he goes, well, that doesn't hurt. He grabs another one. How about this one? He throws it at a man's chest. Does that hurt? The guy goes, no. And they were laughing because like one ant can't do nothing. And then Hopper does something epic. And he goes, well, how about this? And he pulls the entire cap off the silo and every grain, there's probably a good few thousand grains in that come flooding down and crush the grasshoppers. And his face says it all, it's stern. It just stares at you. And his face is like, bam, do you not get my point? And then he says these words straight afterwards, which is so prominent to what's going on right now. If you let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. And that, that resonated so much, so much. He said, listen, from those ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they realize that, then there goes our way of life. And when you think about what we're protesting right now, and if you think about all the, the looting, even the rioting that's going on, and I just want to say this, I don't condone, vi I said this before, I'll say it again. I don't, I don't think violence is the answer to the first answer to any question. But if you're going to not hear a man say, I can't breathe, then you're going to hear a few windows smash. And I stand by that. If you see all the, light, the looting and the rioting that's going on and you see how much people are out in the streets campaigning, you can get all your police out. They're not going to be able to topple everybody that's campaigning. So when you, you start a revolution by numbers, and that's what A Bug's Life was trying to say. You've got to love Pixar, man. Pixar put their messages in their movies and they know what they're talking about. I think it's fantastic that they do that. Really do. But yeah, social media has definitely mashed me up this week because I've been digesting so many things where people are literally, I'm saying, look, can we just be seen as equal? We're, we want equality in workplaces. We want you lot to stop killing us when all you got to do is arrest us if we have done something wrong. We're literally asking people to stop killing. And there are other people going, nah, 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 you don't need equality, man. Come on, man. And those people are making me sick. Seeing those comments every day, seeing people that look at police brutality and go, but it's not really that bad. It could have happened to a white person. Then people are exhausted. They jar the hell out of me. Let me take a quick sip because I need to right now. With that bamboo sweet boy. <sighs> yeah. So those people are jarring me massively because nine times out of 10, they're not our people. They're not black people. So they don't know what it's like to step out your house and worry about, somebody looking at you scared of you and then doing something like calling the police. Some of you might go, that doesn't happen to you. Do you know what happens to me? I run. I run with headphones on. Whilst I run with my headphones on, I'm genuinely worried. I kid you not, I, on my life, I'm genuinely worried that when I'm running on the pavement, on the side of the road where cars are coming up from behind me, not coming towards me, that a car may see me as a black man and think it's fun to throw something out the window at me or to even climb the curb and try to clip me. Now that might sound extreme to you. That might sound crazy. But then when I was 14 years old, I remember, was it 14? No, 16 years old, I remember. I was at uh, a bus stop once and there was a bunch of guys driving past in the car full of white guys. And I had my hair out, big Afro that I had out. And they drove past and they threw what I think was takeaway bag at me slowed down the car, shouted, cut your hair, mate. It's getting long. And 
I remember the fear of not being able to say anything because if I say something back, they might jump out the car. Four guys, I'm 16 and rush me. I mean, if you're driving as well, these guys are at least 18 years old. I can't stand up against them. Me one at a bus stop and these four guys. I always feel that when I'm in an environment where other people might look at me and consider, oh, he's black and he's not like us, that they may treat me differently, hostile wise. And so, and do you know what the thing is? I'm not exactly the person that's out here trying to do the most to try and say, hey, accept me, but I'm definitely not a threat. But I still can go in an environment and feel like there's something cut, there's something wrong. People are going to look at me a particular way. I worked at HMV once for uh, Christmas. This was, wow, I'm 20, no, I'm 32 now. This work must have been when I was uh, 20, maybe 19 years old, 19 and 20. I think 19 years old. I worked at HMV for a Christmas. It was like a, a side job during the Christmas period as a Christmas temp. Loved it. Loved technology. Love, loved working at H&M. This is where, no, H&V, sorry. This is when the Wii, so 2008, when the Nintendo Wii came out, because I bought the Wii from there early. I got it the day it came out. We had them in stock and I took one home. One of the first people on my university campus to have one. And then some idiot called M um, S or Michael, whatever his name was, he broke into my room and stole it. Poor Sion. Anyway, uh, basically I remember this, uh, I was working at H H and V and I, this is, this is when it's only now that I'm deep in this, I've never spoken about this. This is something that had happened. I was basically, we were stocking up stuff out of the, the storeroom and you needed to have a code to go into the storeroom to one part of it. And then the second part where the cage was now where the cage was, was the keypad that to go in the cage to get stock of Nintendo Wii's or games consoles. And I remember without realizing that I did this. I remember the code. One time a customer wanted something that wasn't on the shop floor, but it was in the back room. And I went into the back room and one of the managers was there. And I said, oh, I've got to get a Nintendo Wii. I just, and I just typed in the code to go to the cage and pulled out the Wii and closed it and then walked to the front to go give it to the cashier to sell to the customer. Nothing wrong with that. But because I knew the code, the manager who was in the room was like, oh my God, he knows the code. Pulled the other manager aside and said, or he knows the code and we need to have a meeting with him. It pulled me into the back room at the end of the day to say, we need to have a meeting with you. I was like, okay, cool. No worries. What's the meeting about? You know, the code to the back room. How do you know it? And I said, because I think I've seen you lot type it in. And when we have loads of staff, sorry, on the uh, loads of customers on the shop floor, I'm just here trying to, trying to quickly get stuff out for you. Yeah. But you know, the procedure is to bring the code out the back and um, to ask us for the code and to get it because you may rob the place and still the, I said, I'm not going to rob the place. I'm here trying to make sales. That's all it was. I didn't think anything of it at the time. I just thought maybe they were scared because I had the code and that was it. And you know, procedure. I come to find out one of my colleagues is a guy as well. No, it was a woman as well, but white woman. She also had the code too. She was same position as me because I told her afterwards what had happened. She also had the code to get into that back room. Apparently it was only managers that were allowed to go in there. She also had the code to get into that back room or to the back cage to go get the, the stuff out of there. <laughs> and how she got the code is because the manager told her what it was and said, look, don't worry. It's like, I think he had a crush. I don't know what it is, but he told her what the code was and said, um, you know, you're supposed to use it for us to use, but you know, if you need it, if I'm here, as long as you type it in and get whatever you need to get out, that's absolutely fine. I don't think you're going to do anything. And I only deeped it now, only like the past 
year or so that this brother actually had an agenda against, not agenda against me, but he might've looked to me and thought, well, a black guy with the code, he might be risking to stealing stuff. He said it to me, you shouldn't have the code because none of the staff should have it because you may steal. However, when I told the person who had it, the girl, who was the same position as me, and she was like, well, I got it. It's, I just thought it was okay that someone had to be there. That's when I was like, raw, deep against me. And it's only now that I'm starting to realize that they were thinking that maybe I might be a threat to the store. And the only difference I can see between me and her and was the, I, the, the fact that she's a girl and I'm a guy, but I'm not going to take it for that. I definitely think it was to do with my complexion. I was the only black guy in the store at the time. Very small store. I'm not going to say where it is because it's shut down now anyway. But yo, when I, like little things like that on a day to day, having to go to an environment and try to like water yourself down. So it's digestible for other people, not appearing too black. That's a natural thing that some people feel. And it's now only recently where we're like, you know what? We're not going to like do that. If I'm black, I'm black. Can you accept me for how I am? If I talk a certain way, if I twang a certain way, if my food smells a certain way, when I heat up in the microwave, well, listen, no one complains when you heat up your macaroni and cheese with the mayonnaise in there when you're supposed to leave that out because you're not supposed to heat up mayonnaise. So when I'm in there and I want to heat up my ackee and saltfish, or when I used to eat chicken, my, my chicken and rice and peas, and you're like, oh, it smells very exotic. Well, big man, if that's how it smells, that's how it smells. It's my food. I don't say it with your food. Just because we're in the cl- in a place where your food is normal to you because most people around you eat, it doesn't mean I can't eat mine. I'm not going to dumb it down anymore. Shouldn't have to. Should not have to. And when you get people saying, oh, but that doesn't happen. No one gets looked upon a certain way. Come on, being black ain't that bad. I really saw a tweet. I'm going to read this out. I really saw a tweet. And this is what shows me that people don't understand where we're at right now. I really saw a tweet and I retweeted it and put a comment on top. Where is it now? It's by a broadcaster as well. And I'm ashamed because I'm a broadcaster myself. I'm ashamed to see other people. By India Willoughby. I'm not going to say her name because it's on her Twitter. Her Twitter is at Instant Karma Now, right? And she's talking about racism. I don't know. The original tweet was deleted, but her response to that original tweet was whatever it is. I don't know what it was. It says, I agree totally against racism of any sort, but opportunities wise, this is a bad time to be white and a good time to be black. Are you, are you stupid? It's a bad time to be white and a good time to be black. The reason why we're campaigning right now is because it's never a good time in this world to be black. It's never been. We're trying to get it to a good time. We don't even want to be better than you. We just want to be equal. We don't want to be stopped on the street and then killed for something where you could arrest me, where a guy who's been going out shooting up places gets a free trip to McDonald's after he does a shoot up in your police car. Nah, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. But it's a good time to be black, man. Kiss my ass. In a good time to be black. We're trying to get it so it's an equal time to be black and white and it's good for all of us. Not so it's good for us and not for you, but it definitely ain't good for us. Not right now. As I'm talking about this and, I, and I'm conscious of this, it's just hit 10 o'clock and I'm going to have to watch it on playback now. I thought I'd start this episode earlier, but I didn't. Good time to be black. Shout out to Rex Free 2. He put up a post of the body cam of police officers breaking into a house and they go to the stairs and you can hear them shouting at an elder gentleman and they tase him and then he falls down the stairs, hits his back and head against the side of the stairs. And Rex posted it up because it was his father. His father. Good time to be black. I don't know anybody who, unless they are like domestic terrorists, and even then some of them get treated nicer than black people do. I don't know when police break into a house, see 
a man who's in his 60s on a stairs and says, you know what is the best thing to do? You're white, but I'm going to tase your ass so you can fall down this. I don't know. I've never heard those stories. It might happen. It may do, but I've never heard them. And the, But seeing, seeing that, that body cam, shout out to Wretch because Wretch is stronger than me. Posting that up would hurt my feelings so much so that I may feel like I don't want to do it. But he's making sure we know there's a message out here. It's not a good time to be black. Never is. Never has been. Not in the world. Not equally a good time as anybody else. Jane Elliott has told you and shown you, shown you when people are sitting in a room, pro, not protesting, but learning and trying to understand what it is like to understand racial discrimination and systematic racism. She's trying to show you in her, in her experiments, Google Jane Elliott, in her experiments, how there are white people out there that if they had the choice would not want to be black or be treated as a black person. So India Willoughby, you can kiss my ass about saying it's a bad time to be white, a good time to be black. Now I'm not trying to separate myself from my white fans. I have many, I'm fans from all different backgrounds and majority of them understand why so many people are so pro Black Lives Matter because they get it. They get that when they look at someone like me, I can make jokes about how police brutality is unfair because there is a truth behind the joke. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I don't want to hear when someone says a good time to be black. And then I've got allies as well who are white that go, nah, 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 big man, it's not a good time for black people. I'm seeing someone that I support have to go through stuff. I'm seeing someone who's my friend have to go through stuff. I've had friends contact me recently saying, yo, I just want to check in on you because I'm now learning to understand how hard it is. And I'm seeing images of George Floyd, seeing repeats of Tamar Rice, of um, Trayvon Martin, of Brianna. That's, oh my God. Of Belly recently. Oh, come on, man. I don't hear nothing about a good time to be. So yeah, that's why social media has been exhausting. When I'm seeing people literally try to break down what you're saying as if what you're saying is crazy. Mad. Mad. Let me take another sip of this bamboo. The ice is melted and it tastes nice and cold. Shouts to bamboo again. They gave me an ice tray, right? And what it does is it makes these big balls of ice with their logo in it. And it's massive. You lot can't see because you listen to a podcast, I know. But if you are going to see clips on, on the video that I'm recording, then maybe you'll be able to catch it. Anyway, I'm going to lighten the mood, but still stay on topic. When I say lighten, I'm going to, this is something that I, I kind of want to laugh at because of how hurt some people are by this. Yeah. This week we have seen statues getting torn down, literally torn down because of what the statues represent. And I'm here for it. Not because I want history to be deleted. You can't delete history by tearing down a statue, but because I am here for seeing the statues, which are, some of them are cenotaphs. And some of them are memorials of individuals, not of people like war memorials, but of individuals who were known gratuitously racist and known slave traders, right? Getting torn down. And then you get people that are actually like, oh my God, why are you tearing down our history? Let me tell you something about history, right? Uh, this episode, I'm being unapologetic. I really am. Right. I know some of you are out here saying statues lives matter, but really and truly these statues are of people that were involved in some heinous, heinous crimes, heinous crimes. They're literal statues of people that were involved in not only the killing of multiple people, but the horrible slave trade and of the same said people. 
Let's start with the first big one that we all saw in Bristol. Shouts to Bristol. I used to live there for about six months many years ago. I worked for a guy who owned a comedy club that got shut down because he couldn't pay his bills. He's corrupt. And uh, yeah, bailiffs came and knocked down that, that comedy club real quick. And the building that it was in, I don't like to see buildings get shut down. I don't like to see comedy clubs get shut down. These are places that I get to work. But if you're not paying the bills and treating your staff like absolute shite, well, that's what happens to you. I'm still waiting for my pay for the second month and most of the pay from the first month that I worked there. But I stayed there for six months in Bristol, not at the, at the job, but I stayed in Bristol. And I actually saw the community that was out there saying we need that statue ripped down. I saw a protest at the time that I was out there of people campaigning to say this statue needs to come down or the name of the hall which is Colston Hall needs to get changed. There's a school named after the gentleman, Edward Colston, who was a notorious, notorious slave trader. Not just a racist, a slave trader. This man made millions off of slave trade. Just to give you a rough idea, I don't know how much slaves cost back then. And I don't want to know because I don't want to know what the price of my ancestors were. I'm not interested in that. However, I know that even if they were worth a pound, which is not a lot of money, a pound, this brother, slave in his slave trade, managed to trade 84,000 of them. Now, I don't know how much the pound was worth back then. And that's if a pound was a pound. 84,000 in his time of slave trading. Let's say if they're worth 10 pound or 100 pound for a slave or the equivalent of one. This man made millions off of slave trade. In Bristol, there was a massive statue of him. Edward Colston, 17th century slave trader. And during these protests, People said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to rip down this statue because we're sick and tired of seeing it in our faces. This is a man who is being celebrated and honoured for what he does. And the plaque doesn't say he was a slave trader. It said he was a philanthropist. He said he was an entrepreneur. He said he was also an MP because that was true. Didn't say he was a slave traderist, but if you look at his history, he says it on Wikipedia, a well-known slave trader. So these people who are protesting said, you know what we're going to do? Because we are really in our bag right now and we can do this, we're going to come together as a group. We're going to rip down this statue of Edward Colston and we are going to dash it in the River Avon. Ironically, a river that he discarded many of his slaves that were either not fit or had died during transport, dashed them in the River Avon. And people said, we're going to dash your statue in that river as well. Now bear this in mind. It's a statue made out of bronze, brass, Maybe some stonework, who knows? I don't think it was stone because this one was able to be rolled by about four people down the street. If it was stone, take a lot more than that. And there were people that were going, oh my God, my, our history, you have ripped down our statue. You have ripped down our history. Are you mad? Are you out of your mind? It's the statue. It's not like they dashed the real person because that would be awful throwing a person into a river. Deep that for a second. And that's what that symbol represents. A man who used to throw dead slave bodies into a river and sell the rest if they can, if he can make money off of them. And you had people around Bristol, a handful, not many, because they couldn't speak up to that mob. And if you want to call them a mob, they want to speak, they wouldn't speak up to those thugs, but that's the name that you want to call them. They would have run their mouth for the protesters out there doing the right thing, making sure that that message of this racist slave trader needed to go down. We want to dash him away. Try speaking to those people and telling them that they're thugs and they're mobs. Try to speak to those people say that they ripped down a statue and they shouldn't have done that. And you're from Bristol and you're seeing people in Bristol do that. You're mad. They said it was about Black Lives Matter at that point and it was massively. But let me tell you something. The, the people that ripped down the statue were not black. First things first, you need rope. And not often do you see many of us buy rope. We don't exactly have a bad, uh, big history when it comes to rope. And if we went to a shop to buy loads of rope and just rope, 
I'm pretty sure the shopkeeper will look and say, what's that black guy doing with all that rope? I feel like he's going to rob someone because unfortunately that's how people think when they see us shopping for hardware and tools. So imagine this was ripped down. It was by a bunch of people, allies that saw it and said, this statue's racist, we're ripping it down. And I love that. I absolutely love that. You can see that on the footage. They saw it and said, this man needs to go. There was a 70 odd year old man who said he was campaigning from years ago for that statue to go. This man, white gentleman, he fought in the war and he said, did you fight in the war? No, he, fought, he was uh, part of the, the Royal Air Force, I think it was. And he said, big man, I wanted that statue. He didn't say big man, but I'm just saying he did. He said, big man, I wanted that statue to go from a long time ago. This is a man who was celebrated for enslaving human beings. And we have here up here represented as a, ba- a massive history for Bristol. Let me tell you something. Bristol, your history is tainted with that statue up there. Now that it's down, part of your history is recognizing there was a bad part to it and you ripped it down. Big up for ripping down Edward Colston. And if you don't like that, boy, <laughs> shame. Go fish it out the river. Anyway, next thing as well, Robert Milligan is another statue that got ripped down. Robert Milligan got ripped down today, actually, while I'm talking to you doing this podcast. His statue got ripped down today. Now, whilst his statue got ripped down, Today, I did some research. I didn't know who Robert Milligan was. This man owed two sugar plantations. And you know who used to work on those plantations. He was also involved in the import and export of slaves by, oh, sorry, Jamaican slaves rather. I'll say that again. He was involved in the heavy import and export of Jamaican slaves by, wait for it, I should have clocked, the West India docks. Sip of the bamboo, sorry. West India docks. The way that I thought West India Docks might have been named there because many West Indians lived in that area. Come on, Ori, you're naive. I had to do some research. It's called West India Docks because it was the docks where they got all the West Indians that they shipped over for slavery in these times. Mad. And there are literal people out there saying, nah, we want that statue to stay up because you're ripping down our history. I think the fragility of a lot of British people who feel that their history is represented in statue is the fact that they just don't like being told what to do. Your history isn't in statues, it's in books. You can go and research it then. The Robert Milligan statue, the plaque that's underneath it, doesn't have anything to do with him being a slave trader or owning sugar plantations. It's about him being a member of this country who helped... Uh, manufacture and build the dock so there could be free trade through. It doesn't say what the trade was. If you go look at the plaques, it doesn't give you the full history. But if you go look at Wikipedia or do further studies, that is where your history is. Stop saying that statues are what hold history. It's not the truth. It's a statue. It got dashed out the way. And do what I loved about it as well, this one, we didn't pull it down. It wasn't no mobs. It wasn't no thugs, as you like to say. It wasn't protesters that were honourable. You know who pulled it down? It was builders that were commissioned by members of parliament that said, yeah, it's probably time we take that down. We're going to take down that statue. Big up. So you can't get vexed. First, they were vexed about mob mentality, ripping down statue of Edward Colson. So what we said is, all right, fine, we'll stop. Next thing you know, <laughs> members of parliament voted to get a statue taken down. And now they're vexed because people are easily budged by uh, their civil life. There's, sorry, I'll say that again. Now they're easily up. And these are racist statues. It's not your history. You're good. If you want to read it, if you really are happy about what he was doing in slave trading, that is a part of your history. Then read it in the book. There are pictures there. We're not ripping those up. We're not trying to stop you from knowing your history. What we're trying to do is say, big man, if you want to know your history, go read it in a book. But we don't want to look at this statue celebrating this man every day that we're walking down West India docks. If I want to walk down West Indian docks right now, I want West Indian music, couple of West Indian restaurants to play. Let's look at the positive things about West India, not the things that were negative because you ripped us out of our own country. How about that? 
Sheesh, it's not that deep to have a statue. Really is not. I saw, I read as well that they're looking at other statues that might need to be taken down purely because of what's been going on. A few statues are, are being looked upon. There's Thomas Guy, who uh, started the South Sea Company, I believe. He was involved in the transport of slaves to Spanish colonies. They're looking at taking this statue down. Thomas Guy's one. Not sure where that is, but I know it's in the UK as well. Uh, we're looking at other statues. Sir John Cass. Now that's another one. So John Cass, who people think was a massive educator. So John Cass was also somebody who helped develop the Atlantic slave trade and helped people move slaves from Africa to the Caribbean and then over to here. His statue needs to come down. But if you want to read about him because it's history, go read that book. It will tell you all about him. That's all research done. I bet you that people didn't even know these things about them. They just saw the statue and said, you're ripping down our history. Why would you be proud of that as your history? And then the hilarious thing that I'm seeing now on social media, particularly on Twitter, people posting up these pictures saying, good on you, lads. Let me take a swig before I actually talk about this. People literally saying, good on you, lads. And this is the thing. The good on you, lads bit that I'm seeing is <laughs> different parts of the country that are saying, we don't want Black Lives Matter ripping down our statues. So we're going to defend our statues and cenotaphs. And you get about 50 or 60 guys standing all white, all anti-Black Lives Matter, or a lot of them Britain first saying, we want to defend our war memorials. Let me tell you something, right? <clears throat> Firstly, there's Hoddesdon. Don't know where Hoddesdon is. I need to do my research, but I know about Hoddesdon War Memorial. I'm not sure exactly where in the country Hoddesdon is, but this is the hilarious bit. Hoddesdon War Memorial has nothing to do with slavery, but they're standing in front of it as if it's a target. We haven't targeted it because we know it's a war memorial. We're not going after any of those things there at all. What we're going after are people who were slave traders and who were negative and who are horrible representations of British history. And you're standing in front of a war memorial nobody's targeting. Uh, okay. It's going to be a very cold and lonely and quiet time protecting that memorial. Then you've got Plymouth Naval Memorial. <laughs> I had to read this one up. Plymouth Naval Memorial. There was about, I counted how many people in the picture. 27 guys protecting the memorial, right? Now this memorial is not just a simple statue. It's a massive cenotaph. This is, you, can, you can walk around it. It will take you about a minute and a half, right? It's big. And you've got these men protecting it like anybody's going there to Plymouth to rip it down. First things first, 26 men ain't even enough. You're going to need a whole load if that was a target. Have you seen how big the Black Lives Matter movements have been in over 200 cities across the United Kingdom? About 200 cities, 200 towns rather, I will say, because not all of them are cities across the United Kingdom. Are you mad? Secondly, <laughs> this is the part that gets me secondly right it's a war memorial no one's going for it because it doesn't represent any form of slave trade or inherent racism that is part of british history in that memorial so you're protecting it thirdly there were man wearing shorts you're going to be cold because no one's you're not you're not, you're not who are you defending there's nobody there to consider so what's the beef i had to bust up laughing you know i'm looking for kid is this really what you're about protecting war memorials and making a statement in front of places that aren't even being targeted get out of here man Get out of here, man. No one is coming for that war memorial. You could sit down at your home and rest easy. What you should do is find any statues that are out there of slave traders and maybe watch out for them. Because that's what they're going for. But a war memorial, I don't think you get or grasp the idea as to why so many people were angry at the ripping down. Um, sorry, of the, um, of, let me start that again. I don't think you grasp the idea of why so many people were ripping down 
statues of like Edward Colston, of Robert Milligan. These people <laughs> but developed wealth for their family via slavery, killing ancestors, killing people that look like me, selling them off, making them less than human. A war memorial is there to celebrate those who fought in the war. That could stay. No one's fighting that. We're all right. We're good. You, you're okay. You could plot out there, have a barbecue all you want if you don't want to social distance. Do your thing. But we're not sitting there going, yo, you need to protect that place because we're coming for it. Secondly, I say secondly, but it's like 50 now. That war memorial, the one in Plymouth, it's going to take more than a couple of protesters to rip that down. It's massive. Absolutely massive. That war memorial was like, I don't know, about as big as an estate block in terms of the width of it. You had to walk around. It's big. So you don't have to worry about nothing. You're all right, man. You're good. Don't worry. We ain't coming for that one. But I know you feel empowered. It's great that you're out there feeling empowered. But if you're out there protecting the war memorial, no one's attacking or targeting, who's going to be on Twitter saying all the negative stuff that makes me not want to be on social media for a day? <sighs> I need you out there because you're the guys that make me feel like I need a break sometimes. Anyway, I'm coming off this. We've done a lot of a lot of this episode today. 40 odd minutes of me just talking about what's been going on and getting this off my chest. Actually talking about it makes me feel good. I'm not going to lie to you. It really does. It's kind of getting off my chest, having a sip of the bamboo rum as well and thinking about more content that I want to create. I want to come off and play some video games. That's what I'm going to do. I've been playing Streets of Rage 4 on my Nintendo Switch for a minute. And for those who got me on YouTube, what you got to do is go to uh, Uri Styler TV and see the post I put up about me playing Streets of Rage 4. What a game. Banging game. Jump on it if you can. It's vibes. If you haven't jumped on it, I just want to shout out Bamboo again. Uh, my podcast and all my content is in support is by support by support supported by Bamboo Rum. Very mature, very nice. Got a nice little kick to it, and I've been drinking sips of it right now. I should be fasting. I'm going to start at ten thirty, and then we have to break it at like three thirty tomorrow. That's crazy. Three thirty, two thirty tomorrow. That's not bad. Intermittent fasting for life. You get me. Anyway, I'm going to sign out this podcast. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, whatever channels you listen to this on. Drop a review as well, and also share it to your people. Them uh, and yeah, let me just throw this one out here real quick for anyone that's been listening. I'm not here to try and separate people. I'm just trying to get those who don't understand why people are campaigning for Black Lives Matter to understand. We're out here trying to let you know that we don't think we're better than you. We think that we're equal but you don't. So we're trying to let you know that we're not saying your life matters any less. We're just saying black lives need to be recognized as something that matters. So all lives can matter. And until black lives matter, all lives cannot. It is that simple. And you want to try all lives matter. Me, when I say black lives matter, as if what I'm saying is offending you, then I'll tell you what, if you jump in my position and get afraid every time you see a police car pull up behind you, because you may be arrested for something that you haven't done, or if you may get uh, a, pair, a police officer run into your house and tase you because they just feel like they can do. If that's you in that position and you can understand where I'm at there, then maybe you'll stop saying all lives matter. We'll swap positions for a day if you can. And the joke is we'll never be able to because you can't blacken your skin and I can't whiten mine. I am who I am and who I am matters. And if you don't understand that, then bye to you. Don't even listen to my podcast if you don't think that I matter or black lives matter. All lives do matter. But when black lives matter, yes, then all lives can. Until then, Black Lives Matter, we're pushing that message until you recognize. Ori Styler signing out of the No Escaping This podcast. Boom. No escaping this. No escaping.